It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Hey, everybody. Yeah, Joey Giggles here. How's everybody doing today? Really exciting stuff right here on the new Authors Nook channel. Oh, yeah. I'm telling you, we started the other day. We had Jazz T. Ward on the other day. Really great show the other day, I have to say. And uh, we got about 56 listeners already to this channel on one show. One show, ladies and gentlemen, 56 listeners on one. <laughs> you know, that's unbelievable, ladies and gentlemen. Maybe I'm bringing, you know, the, the other people from Blog Talk Radio over here. That's a possibility. <laughs> Everybody's following me over here. Or are they new listeners? I don't know. I have no idea. But, uh, ladies and gentlemen, really exciting stuff as we move forward here with this great channel. Oh, man. I'm telling you, I mean, we got two more great Authors Nook shows after this one, this month, and then we have eight next month, ladies and gentlemen. So get ready as we uh, go into the new month and uh, as we switch over into spring next month. Are we really switching over into spring, though? Not up here, tell you that much. Not up here. Freezing up here. The wind chill has just started, ladies and gentlemen. It feels like zero degrees out there. Zero degrees! Unbelievable. And we're going to get more snow. It's going to be crazy, ladies and gentlemen, up here. Are we ever going to get spring? I have no idea. But like I said, two more Authors Nook channels coming your way this month, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. This channel is a wonderful channel, uh, and uh, we're really going to have a lot of great authors come on here and, you know, give us their best, you know, honestly. I mean, like, they come, they talk about their books, they talk about their favorite genres, they talk about their writing styles, uh, and they introduce themselves to us as, you know, they're just ordinary people, but, you know, they're, they're great best-selling authors, you know, they're coming right here because, you know, they are the best at what they do, ladies and gentlemen, the best at what they do. As I profess all the time, do something that you're the best at. Do something you're the best at, ladies and gentlemen, and boy, you will excel, and boy, you will make money too, I bet. You know, but boy, will you be happy and excel in life and not be a follower. Be a leader. Be your own leader, ladies and gentlemen. Be a leader. Oh, yeah. So those two new cattle shows that we're going to have coming up are on the 24th and the 26th. We have Kristen Hughes. 
She's going to be coming on uh, 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the 24th. And on the 26th, Rashonda Simone. I love that name. Rashonda Simone. I think I said that right. 10 p.m., ladies and gentlemen. Yes, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 10 to 11. Really exciting stuff right here as we move forward. And we have so many great shows on on the, the main channel. And tomorrow we have the Burning for a Cure show with Power of Pain Foundation sponsoring Barbie Engel and I on the main channel. Come and listen to that one. If you, you know anything to deal with pain, we talk about it on that show. It's going to be a great show, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Barbie Engel, the CEO, creator of Power of Pain Foundation, will be on with me talking about pain. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have a doctor on tomorrow night, believe it or not. Yeah, we're going to have a doctor on. Really exciting stuff, 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on WYRN. We have plenty of channels, ladies and gentlemen, here. You know, now we got a new health and wellness channel. We got a, what else, a paranormal channel. We got this great channel. I, I, what else? What else are we going to do? I don't know. I'm telling you, I'm really excited. So I'm really excited to introduce my guest today, uh, best-selling author Liz Crow. And she's got awesome books out there, ladies and gentlemen. She sent me those books, and boy, what covers. I'm telling you, i got to talk covers with her. She's got great covers. I'm telling you. She's got like a trilogy going on there. And we'll talk a little bit about that. I'm telling you. So I'm really excited. Let's bring on Liz Crow. I'm excited about this. Hello, Liz. Hello, Liz. Hey, Joe. How are you? Hi. How are you? I'm freezing my butt off. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in Michigan. Here. It's oh, nasty you're... cold in Michigan. <laughs> oh, 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 man. You're just as cold as us. Oh, yeah. Yep. In New York. <laughs> yep. It's yeah. pretty bad. <laughs> so we got a lot of people hanging out in the chat room with us today. Uh, you know, we got um, Michelle Hughes, we got uh, S.C. Edward, uh, we got Barbie Engel, we got all kinds of people. I'm telling you, it, it's really exciting. You know, I'm happy to bring everybody these shows because you know I think it's time that we showcase the author. Now I'm an author myself, and not a lot of radio stations would actually do this, you know, and actually showcase the author, you know, and have a whole channel based on the author, you know. So I'm really excited to have you here, Liz. Do you want to give us a little bio on yourself, please? Sure thing, Joe. Thanks for having me, and thanks for um, hosting all of us for this uh, for these weeks. This is really a great opportunity for those of us who don't have a huge budget to spend on promotion and uh, spend most of our time just trying to crank out the next book. It's always great to try and reach a new audience, and I really appreciate you doing this for us. Um, I'm Liz. I live in Ann Arbor, Michigan. I'm originally from Kentucky. I'm a huge Louisville Cardinal fan and a sports fan, so we can talk about that if you want, um, <laughs> even though my Cardinals are sort of fading on me this basketball season. Wow. I am, uh, I'm a part owner of a microbrewery here in Ann Arbor. I'm also a licensed realtor. I have uh, three kids, ages 23 to 16, um, I'm in the middle of renovating my second home. 
living in a condo for a while and just, like I said, trying to crank out the next book. Wow. That's, that's awesome. I mean, you've got so much going on there. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of things going on there. Um, yeah, how do you, how do you balance everything? How do you balance everything? Well, I don't. Um, I, I've sort of done this in stages. I gave up uh, full-time real estate work, uh, took a break from it back in 2009, 10-ish, about the same time my first book was published, which was purely coincidental because I've been working on it for a while. Um, and then I uh, went in with these guys to help them open their brewery. I'm a marketing person. That's kind of my thing. I wasn't necessarily a beer person at the time. I am now. They taught me to be. And uh, I sort of dove deep into the craft beer scene and the business and learning all I can about it, including how to brew. So I worked on that until uh, this past spring when I walked away from it, figuring they were well enough on their way and um, have gone, you know, sort of dove into my books full-time for a while. I released my first self-published series this year. My other books are pub- or with publishers. And um, I'm about to get back into the real estate game a little bit. Uh, my broker was, you know, we were talking back and forth, and he said, you know, you should come back and work for me a little bit. And I'm like, well, you know, there is always money to be made. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> That's true. Yeah. And there's not a whole lot of, you know, making serious money in, in the book business is a little bit of a fairy tale in a lot of ways, but um, it's still what I love to do, and I'm definitely not going to stop writing. I have all kinds of plans for upcoming books. But I am going to jump back into real estate this year, and I'm pretty excited about it. That's great. That's great. So when it comes down to it, I mean, were you destined to be a writer, you think? Were you, no, like, really? No, no? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I really wasn't. I, um, I'm a huge reader, and I've always been a huge reader. My mom taught me to read when I was four years old as part of a graduate school project on Montessori method, teaching kids to read using the Montessori method. Um, so I, I've been reading since a very young age, and I love to read across genres. I'm not a genre-specific reader at all. Um, I do have an English degree that seems to make sense since I like to read, and I can string a few words together in a decent essay. So I got my degree from the University of Louisville in English literature, but worked ever since my first job right out of the gate was uh, fundraising with United Way. Um, and I've always worked in marketing sales, public relations, and nonprofit fundraising. So I've, I've sort of ridden the wave of going from print ads to, you know, SEO and clickable stuff online and really mm-hmm. kind of, you know, learned everything I can about the best way to market whatever it is I'm marketing at the That's, time. You know, yeah. the, writing, the writing came much later. I didn't really, <clears throat> I didn't really write anything until about 2008, I'd say. I don't know. I just caught a bug. I don't know why. I don't know what. I can't even pinpoint a specific thing or person that inspired me, but I just kind of got going on it. And I stayed up. I would look up, and it would be three in the morning, and I'd be still be writing, even though I had a job to do the next day. But kind of caught that bug, rode the wave. I'm a I'm the kind of person who likes to learn about the businesses I'm in. Um, so I made a point to try and understand publishing. You know, what were my options? My options are much wider nowadays. So I uh, found a few small publishers to take me, and I've kind of just gone from there. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's cool. I mean, yeah, it's just, you've got so much going on, it sounds like, but I'm, I'm happy that you're balancing everything, you know, and that's a good thing. So when it comes down to it, what's your favorite genre? And, and, and tell us a little bit about your writing style and how you, you put your books together. I do not have a favorite genre, so believe it or not. Um, I read things that are recommended to me in almost any genre 
um, including mainstream fiction. I'm a huge fan of Margaret Atwood and Ann Tyler and John Irving and Jonathan Franzen. Um, you know, I, I like to I like to read well written work, no matter what they come labeled as. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a result, my books are not they are they are romance novels, and some of them are you know fairly straightforward, you know romance novels. The majority of them, however, do not follow a formula or a script. And you know, as a result, I've gotten some interesting groups of people who insist that I don't know what I'm doing, which has been kind of a fun way to learn how not to behave online, I can tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I like to think that I write about people in relationships, whether they be, um, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, brother, sister, mother, child. You know, my books always have a fairly wide cast of characters. I don't like to have characters in a vacuum. And I explore a lot of the relationships around the main characters, if you will. Mm -hmm. So, for example, the Stuart Realty series, which started out as one big book that I broke into three. Um, It's been my most successful and most popular and best-selling series so far. Is now up to nine books. And it spans, spans, um, you know, two two or three decades now. And um, based on fan demand and uh, sales of the last book, I'm going to go ahead and write a sequel to it, even though I had declared it as the last book of the series. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, you know, my fans kind of launched a little mini campaign to get me to write a sequel to it. So I am going to do that. <clears throat> and by the end of that series, it's a whole lot of um, kind of family saga. We've got some new adult things going on because I have the kids of the original characters, the Jack and Sarah and then their friends. Um, all the kids are growing up, right, So and getting into trouble and various things. Mm-hmm. So there's that new adult element going on in there. Um, and most of my books um, really are about people in relationships. A lot of times I do leave an explicit sex if I feel like it moves the story along, but mm-hmm. I don't always. Mm-hmm. And I'm really, really not a fan of books that just <laughs> one long sex scene for the sake of having a sex scene. But that's just <laughs> gotcha. my, gotcha. that is my opinion, okay? I'm allowed <laughs> to have it, but that is my opinion. Uh-huh. So... Um, I do use them, and I have been told they're pretty steamy without even using the regular words. You know yeah. what I mean? The words we all expect to read. I mean, I try and – I think that things can be erotic without being overt. That's and true. that is my goal, uh, to really write things that might turn you on more because you're imagining what's happening as opposed to being told. Gotcha. Gotcha. And yeah, really, really interesting. You know, I mean – you can't have a relationship without that, though. You can't have a relationship without sex. No, uh, absolutely know? not. I absolutely mean, not. No. Yeah. And uh, but so, sometimes I sometimes it's better to sh- to show the scene because it helps the reader understand why the characters are acting the way they do afterward or beforehand. Sometimes it's just as well served not to, you know. And mm-hmm. I kind of let the way the story is going guide whether or not I make it fully explicit or not. Mhm, mhm. Well, let me ask you now. I mean, uh, you know, a lot of authors sometimes, you know, their writing styles are sort of like, you know, I guess they're like their life almost per se. I mean, what, do you feel that your writing style has anything to do with your personal life at all? I feel it has a whole lot to do with my personality and people who've met me, readers, fans who've met me, and I'm easily one of the most approachable writers you'll ever find. I'm typically sitting at the bar at whatever convention I'm at, <laughs> um, uh, they told me that 
they were not surprised by my personality in person because it really comes through in my writing. I write in a very straightforward, very realistic, very um, conversational way. Uh, a lot of times I've been told things read like screenplays, which would be great someday, but I'm not holding my breath on that. Um, but that is my style, you know, very just, very straightforward and very no holds barred. You know, most of my characters are kind of just out, all out there doing their job, doing their thing. I don't have a whole lot of millionaires or whatever in my books either. Most of my people are small business owners or salespeople or kind of everyday, you know, my latest series, The Love Brothers, is about a family that owns a brewery down in Kentucky, where I'm from. Uh, they mm-hmm. also own a garage, and one of them is a school teacher. So, oh, okay. you know, uh, it's real sort of just everyday stuff, and it's getting some decent, uh, some decent reviews as it just came out a month, you know, about a month ago. So, so yeah, really interesting. I have to say, you know, um, the covers of these books. I'm looking at now the books that you gave me. I, I believe it's the trilogy, you know, that you mm-hmm. gave me here, mm-hmm. and and there's there's women's legs and and shoes on sweat equity, and then there's mm-hmm. uh, you know, a gentleman and a woman in the second book, and in the third book, four time, there's a guy on the cover. Really yeah, interesting time, how, you, actually, how you do that. Yeah. yeah, actually, four time is the first book. The first okay. book is four time. And okay. it is uh, shameless plug time, free, 100% free, an ebook on every ebook platform right now. Absolutely mm-hmm. free. And then I've marked the other two down to 99 cents each. Um, these are the third covers for these books, actually. Um, the first covers were, these were the first books that really that got any kind of decent traction for me in terms of uh, fans. They got picked up by a couple of uh, Fifty Shades readers groups, you know, um, because they have that kind of, they have that element, but it's absolutely nothing like Fifty Shades, so don't kid yourself. Um, so they got picked up. We got second set of covers on them that I liked well enough. And then when we decided to um, do some revision to a couple of, you know, just a couple of things I wanted to fix inside of them, I'm working with a publisher. We sort of hybrid publish these things. Mm-hmm. She is a publisher. I'm pretty much her only author. Um, we work together on all aspects, including paying for stuff. Mm-hmm. So we decided to go ahead and, and give these covers an upgrade, targeting them to be ready to release around the time the Fifty Shades movie come out. Just trying mm-hmm. to capture more people who are sort of into it or being re-exposed to that sort of a concept, if you will. So um, we poked around and we worked on them and finally got the images I want. And the reason they are the way they are, floor time is your first introduction to my sort of super alpha male, if you will, Jack Gordon. He is a uh, realtor, broker, builder, self-made guy, totally, you know, easy to, you know, he's no, there's nothing mysterious about him, really. Mm-hmm. And that's him on the cover. And I've had a, he has his own Facebook page. Okay, <laughs> people are crazy about this guy once they meet him. You know, um, yeah. he's just out there. He's real. He's like me. And I say to people, this is Jack Gordon is my male alter ego. Period. Uh-huh. Um, the, the second book, Blood Equity, is more about a woman, a fellow realtor that he basically hooks up with a couple times in Sweat Equity, and then the space and the rest of the time trying to decide if it's going to go beyond the hookup or not. <clears throat> so the second book is more about her. So that's basically her. She's also a realtor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the third book, they are working their way together. So I put them together on the cover of the third book. I see. I see. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I, I, you know, 
I find it very eye-catching, you know, especially when you put it out there. You put it out there when Fifty Shades of Grey was out there. You know, so, I mean, like, you find the cover is very eye-catching, you know, per uh-huh. se. And that's, uh, yep. Now, do you feel... Well, that's the marketing person in me, Joe. I mean, I, I am marketing before I'm anything. Yeah, no, so that's I, good. That's you know, good and I try everything. Yeah. Believe me, I have tried every every book promotional opportunity I can afford to try. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very important. You know, marketing, obviously, is very important. Otherwise, you won't get sales, you know. So, I mean, like, you know, the marketing aspect, you know, I'm a big marketing guy myself, you know, and looking at, you know, the covers of these books, I'm telling you, they they would sell, especially around the time, you know, like Mm -hmm. you said, that movie came out and so on and so forth. So, um, now, I mean, when you create your new book now. You said you're going to do a fourth book on this one? Is that correct? Oh, no, no. There are nine books in that series, Joe. Nine. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I'm going to do a tenth one. The final book, the book at the end of the series right now is called Good Faith. It's a really long novel that has a whole lot of stuff going on with it. Um, It's very much more mainstream fiction with a touch of new adult happening. Um, It does have some sex in it, but it's very much less about that and more about the challenge is that the children of that first generation of people that you meet in the first four or five books undergo kind of growing up in a big group, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to write a tenth book for it. And the covers, um, all the covers are really, really, really compelling. And I made sure that, a, that that was the case. You know, some of them are on their second or third covers. But right now, the way that series is set up, the covers are just spot on. Did you create? Did you create the covers, or somebody else created the covers? No, I paid. Or? I paid a girl for that. <laughs> okay. I paid somebody, and we worked very closely together, um, and spent a few moments being frustrated with each other, and then finally got to where we wanted them to be. Gotcha. Yep. Gotcha. All right, so let's go into publishing per se. You know, when you published your first book, how hard was it? A brutally hard, and it's still brutally hard. Um, that's one thing that, for those of us who are truly, you know, indie, and that's what I am. I have, I have one book with the Laura's Cave. I have several books with a, a publishing company called Decadent Publishing. And then I have the Stuart series plus two standalone novels with Try Destiny. Um, every book is a labor of agony, um, basically. Uh, but if, you're, if the writer is in you, then you've got to write. So... I'm going through something now. I'm taking the next step, which is I want to find an agent. So I'm really, really, Joe, honest to God, going straight back to the drawing board with this process, okay? I have a novel that's a sexy kind of erotic thriller novel set in Detroit Mm -hmm. that I wrote and shipped off, got a ton of rejections, so I took it back. I approached a few really, really well-recommended and pretty expensive editor-slash-story development experts. And I'm now working with one to help me really change the whole, not the whole concept, but to do almost a complete restructuring of it um, mm-hmm. because I want to find an agent. You know, I want to continue to self-publish, continue to work with the small publishers I have, but my third leg of my table, if you will, is going to be having an agent representing some other stuff. Okay. A thriller, um, I've got a kind of a more mainstream novel that I'm also working on. <clears throat> so I, every step of this is always about 
that first step. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The first time you send to an agent, the first time you send to a publisher, the moment you decide to self-publish and you hit publish on Amazon or Smashwords or whatever, every time you do that, it's like the first time. It's mm-hmm. terrifying yeah. <laughs> and has... Uh, been the result of hours and hours and hours, weeks, days, months, sometimes years of mm-hmm. honest to God, nose to the grindstone effort. So it's hard. I don't, I don't, I don't think anyone would argue with me when I say that it's one of the hardest things to do. And the reason being, I say that is I get frustrated because, you know, why am I not a superstar yet? I work just as hard as any of these people. Mm-hmm. But yet that doesn't matter. You still have to keep working and you still have to do the pay your dues or at least most of us do, and you have to keep doing what you're doing, whether it's quality self-publishing, quality small publishing, or trying to find that agent. Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. You know, um, so would you suggest what is easier for folks to do? Is it easier to get an agent and go to a publishing house, or is it easier to self-publish? It's nearly impossible to get an agent really, honest to God, right now. Um, for one reason, in certain genres, they're only looking for the next 50 shades, which I'm not about to write. So that's kind of, I got to let that phase pass. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's always been hard to find a, an agent and a publisher. It's way easier to self-publish. That doesn't mean it's the right thing for you. Um, mm-hmm. If you are committed to paying for quality editing, paying, or cr- paying for or creating your own top quality cover, and willing to spend money, serious money, on promoting yourself, by all means, self-publish. But that doesn't equate to easy. Do you know what I mean? Gotcha. <laughs> um, gotcha. I do bo- I, I'm doing both right now, and I would have to say they are equally frustrating on a lot of levels. But um, like I said, it's in me now. You know, I'm not going to stop doing it. I enjoy the buzz. I enjoy talking to fans. I enjoy opening my email every day and finding maybe two or three or five or a dozen new emails from people saying, hey, I just read blank. I really liked it. Tell me more about your other books. That's that's cool. That's awesome. And that's happening more and more and more. And as long as you think about it in terms of one reader at a time, if you're not E.L. James, (laughs) you have to think about it as one reader at a time. You're going to be all right. Keep going. Grab onto that and hang on and just keep writing the books. But by mm-hmm. all means, please hire an editor. Oh, Even yeah. if you are an editor, you cannot edit your own stuff. You will miss things. <laughs> yeah, you've got to hire an editor. Definitely. You need that extra set of eyes looking at the work. Definitely. Yeah. More <laughs> no than doubt. one set. More than one set if you can afford it. An editor and then a proofreader. Two different people. Oh, what's, what's the difference? Tell us the difference. Well, there's a big difference. Editing is... Um, content, okay? What if you wrote on one page, someone put their keys in their pocket, or left the keys in the, in the kitchen and then walked out and started the car, okay? A, an editor is going to catch that. Mm-hmm. If you said, the, her hair is blonde in one chapter and all of a sudden it's red in the next, an editor is going to catch that. If your sentence structure is all wacky and you're mm-hmm. using, um, you know, the wrong kind of, uh, <clears throat> you know, if you're using the wrong kind of tags, so if it's a dialogue tag and it should be an action tag, an editor catches that. A proofreader takes it after you've done that, at least once. I actually put mine through two rounds of that. Um, a proofreader catches typos, catches, and there are going to be typos every time, um, you know, and, and catches potential formatting problems, 
that kind of thing. Oh, awesome. Okay, so there's two uh-huh. different. All right. I'm going to definitely have to talk to you on uh, in regards to that and, and get uh, some information on that from you. Uh, but that, that's in, in, information that's very important for writers. So I hope very, everybody mm-hmm. got that. Yeah, I hope mm-hmm. everybody got that down. Um, okay, so when it comes down to it, um, your, your books are out there. You're on Amazon. Uh, so on and so forth. Have you ever gotten a negative review? And what have you done? <laughs> oh, Joe, please. I had a Twitter flame campaign against me oh. over one of my books. You want wow. to talk about negative reviews? I've had a, excuse me, a ton of my fair share of negative reviews. The problem is you reach a certain point, and I'm not too critical mass yet, but I like to think I'm going to be there soon. I'm on enough radars right now that, you know, negative people come out of the woodwork. Mm-hmm. And um, one of my books, Paradise Hops, is a standalone, um, I guess, ostensibly a contemporary romance novel, but with an ending that many, many, many readers found very dissatisfying mm-hmm. for their romance reader tastes. Um, and they made that clear in a real nasty episode on Twitter. Uh-oh. Yeah, um, so <clears throat> you really haven't lived through your life as an author until people really start coming at you. And the thing is, for me, I, I wanted to say to them, look, you guys, I don't have anything to shield me from this. I'm not really making any money off of it yet, <laughs> you know. I'm just putting things out there, you know, hoping some people like it. If you really hate it, is it necessary to be this negative? So that's a real learning experience. And it taught me my hard and fast rule of reviews. Never engage. Never, ever, ever engage. And it's tempting and almost impossible sometimes. Um, don't engage with people, especially if they're being negative. And if they're being super positive, the only, re- the only way you should engage with them is to thank them and then stop talking. If they want to know more about you or if they want another book of yours, they will ask. Mm-hmm. Um, because wow. you just... You just run too many risks of being, coming across as a, you know, an overzealous promoter if someone gives you a decent review and then you immediately bombard them with every book in your backlist, right? Mm-hmm. And if someone's super negative, you will not win. Even if you do win, you lose because you've mm-hmm. engaged in negativity with people online and brought down your brand as an author by doing so. And I have plenty yeah. of negative reviews here, plenty. Uh, luckily for me, the really good ones outweigh them. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, because I, I, have, I have two, two pretty bad ones on, uh, on Amazon, but mm-hmm. I, had, I had other people fighting for me. I had other readers fighting for me. On, yeah, and you, I, yeah. You know. that happened to me, too. When Good Faith came out, I, I broke a cardinal rule according to certain readers a cardinal, cardinal rule of what they considered to be fiction, which I completely disagree with. And one of uh, the people in my formerly trusted ARC reader of mine basically gave the ARC of this book away um, to this person who already had some kind of issue with me that still remains unclear. And she immediately, if you go to Good, Good Faith, Good Faith on Amazon, there is a review on the very first day it came out, which was November 15th, uh, 2013. 
And if you read that, she asks a question that a whole lot of other readers jumped in and answered for her. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I've had readers go to bat for me, but I steered clear of it. Yeah, that, that's actually good when the readers, you know, back you up. You know, I think that's, yeah. I think that's great. It is, but you really don't need to be jumping into it at all for any reason whatsoever. I, I, I tend to agree with that, you know. I mean, like, unless you're getting it, in my case, I don't even think it was about the content of my book. It was more about people bashing me, I guess, because of my political belief, where there was absolutely no politics in my book at all. It was just about history and the similarities and differences between the Roman Empire and the American Empire, you know, and, and, and uh, you know, it was, there really was no politics involved, you know. It was more, more of a history-based, you know, uh, type of uh, uh, opinionated type book, you know. Mm -hmm. so, but, but people found something in there that they felt was politically based, and they, they bashed me on it on the reviews, you know, so I, 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 I don't know. I, I'm a little lost on that. So when somebody... I guess, I've been, I guess I've been out in the public eye, you know, starting my brewery, um, kind of being out here and doing stuff like that and being in the news, because that was my job, it's my brewery in the news. Yeah. Um, I learned a long time ago, you just don't read the comments on your own news stories. I feel the mm -hmm. same way about reviews. I don't even read my reviews anymore much, unless one is pointed out to me as specifically awesomely written or sent to me in an email so that a reader, you know, and I always thank a reader. If they send it to me, I'm like, gosh, that's really great. Thank you, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but you can ask my post. <laughs> my one publisher in particular knows, don't, you know, just don't point them out. Um, I'm actually waiting for, for a review on my self-published series, or the first book of the self-published series, um, by a pretty high-level reviewer. And I'm really mm -hmm. nervous, but I told mm -hmm. my promotions assistant gal who got, got it placed in their hands for me. Here's our code. If it's okay to blast, you just say the review's posted. Mm -hmm. If I'm going to read it, you say it's posted and you got to read it. Otherwise, I'm ignoring it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, man. So when it, when it comes down to it, you, you basically ignore the reviews. But do you think, but do you think that reviews are very important for the writer. It's a, it's a chicken and an egg thing. Mm -hmm. um, it's, a, it's a real circular argument. Yeah, you need reviews. You've got to have reviews um, for a couple of reasons. The more reviews, Amazon tends to pull you up and search searches under specific genre tags or whatever. Um, the more reviews, the more reviews you have, the more good reviews you're going to have. It's typically odds are in your favor of having more good ones. And you can collect them. I have a helper who does that for me that mm -hmm. I send out with media kits. You know, we quote some of the better ones from some of the more well-known sources, plus some of the better ones from, you know, some Amazon reviewers, just your everyday person reading it. Their opinion is just as important to me as anyone's. Um, so, yeah, you got to have them. you got to have them. And it's a, it's a crapshoot. You know, you send, I, I actually, today, just today, sent out the trilogy, the original trilogy, to three new-to-me blog review sites that are apparently huge in romance. Like, well, Kind of, you know, because I don't specifically just read romance. I'm not as dialed into it. So I found them. I submitted it. And now I'm nervous. But I'll get over it by tomorrow, and I'll forget that I sent them, you know. <laughs> and, and we'll see what happens. You know, uh -huh. 
you're out here. You're out here. You're like out here standing naked on a mountaintop and saying, throw things at me. Here's my guts. I've just spilled them for you in this book. Don't mm-hmm. hurt me. Well, yeah. that's just not always going to be the case. People are going to get either jealous of you or they're really not going to like what you wrote or both. Yeah. And they're going to go after you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. You know, I, I think... I think you're right on that, you know, especially with the two, you know, negative reviews that I got. I think they were more politically based and also, you know, I don't, I, I really think also that uh, they could have possibly been my enemies before on the internet. So they just wanted to, you know, basically put my book down type of thing. So, I mean, I think that that's, that's a possibility. That's just a possibility, but, you know, <laughs> moving, moving along, um, I I, uh, I always say I always say to the folks out there, please send your reviews in. I think it's very important for the writer, you know, to get the reviews to let you to, to let us know how we're doing. You know, if we need to change anything, you know, any constructive criticism you might have, so on and so, so forth. Yes, constructive criticism. Yes. So let me let me as long as that. Yes, yes, as long as long as, and this is also something that I'm. It's taken me a few years to get to, okay? Mm-hmm. It's a very basic principle that we've all heard before. Everyone has an opinion. Yeah. And not everyone's opinion is going to sound constructive. They may think they're being constructive, and you take it as you don't know what you're talking about, or they may say, you know, or vice versa, you know? So mm-hmm. grain of salt, <laughs> everyone <laughs> has an opinion. If you're very tender and delicate and and, and and don't have a thick skin yet, just don't read them. <laughs> I'm like one of those. Yeah, I'm not thick-skinned yet. So. <laughs> oh, boy, I, my skin is very, very thick. And the only reason it is is because basically uh, the gal who helps me with uh, the Stuart Really series and a couple other books said, just get the F off of Goodreads. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I'm on Goodreads. My books are on Goodreads. I have a lot of friends on Goodreads. I post reviews of books I read honest reviews of books that I read, and I read a lot of books mm-hmm. on Goodreads. But I do not go to Goodreads and start reading my own reviews. It just really is a recipe for non-productivity. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, so, yeah, I learned some new things from you today. So that's good. i I, I got to learn how to get thick skin, basically. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> yes. All right, but, uh, you know, moving along, I want to get into, obviously, your books and, and talk about, um, the setting, settings of your books now. And where are your books set? And does the setting play a huge role in your books? I have about 25 books out. So I'm going to focus on the series at hand, the um, Stuart Realty series, yeah. which is, uh, like I said, my best-selling series and um, the one that basically really the first important thing I got published. I had a few shorter things published before that, but it's been faded with good reason. So um, Ann Arbor is where I live, and Ann Arbor is where I set that series. Mm-hmm. And it is set in uh, real estate offices, which I mm-hmm. have worked in for many years. Um, friends of the main couple in the, group, in, in the book own a brewery, which I have worked in. Some other friends of theirs work in the um, alcohol distribution business, you know, the other side of the beer business which I yeah. know very well. Mm-hmm. So I set books where I can relate or where I can reflect realistically life. 
because I really, above all things, I really, I write what I want to read, and I really prefer to read things that are set realistically. Not a big fan of paranormal or fantasy. I will read it if it's recommended to me, and I really did like the first two books of Game of Thrones, and then they just got bogged down for me in too many details. Mm-hmm. Um, so <clears throat> all my books, every single one of my books has a realistic setting. I have a series actually with Decadent Publishing set in Istanbul, Turkey. I lived oh, wow. in Istanbul for, I, I lived there for three years. And so I set this set of books there amongst a mixed group of expats and local nationals. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I can't think of a single one of my books that's not set somewhere I haven't even lived or been. Um, my self-published series that just came out, The Love Brothers, is set, it is a fictional town, but it's based on a real town mm-hmm. about halfway between Lexington and Louisville, Kentucky. And I grew up just south of Lexington. I went to college in Louisville. It's an area of the, area of the world that I am very familiar with. So, mm-hmm. you know, all of my books, um, yeah, the setting is important because a lot of people, you know, I, I wanted the Stuart Realty series to be about kind of a party Midwesterners. You know, these aren't glamorous West Coasters or East Coasters or Southerners. You know, these are just solid sort of hardworking everyday people, and that was important to me to reflect that. And I've had a lot of people say that they liked that piece of it, that mm-hmm. the people felt real because they replaced in kind of a basic college town. You know, mm-hmm. there's nothing glamorous about a college town, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that, that is, that's how I use setting. And, and that's, that's interesting because I tend to think it's easier for the author to write about the setting if they experienced it, you know. And if they experienced it, like you said, you were there, you experienced it, it's easier for the author to actually put the characters in the setting. Don't you agree? Absolutely. And I actually just, someone just recommended um, a set of books to me that are ostensibly set in a brewery, um, a fictional brewery somewhere in a fictional town. And I thought, oh, how fun. You know, so I read them and, oh, I just, I couldn't have some veracity. If you are going to write in a setting that you don't know very well and you're going to really talk you to this setting as part of the story, please get your facts right. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I was really, really disappointed and upset by that because I'm like, you know, this person obviously has no idea what they're talking about, but yet they've set it in a brewery, I guess, to make it, I don't know what. I've, I have five or six books set in breweries, and, you know, one of the things that people say to me a lot is, I love how you make a brewery seem real but not drag me down with a bunch of unnecessary detail, you know. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think, I think it's important. To, if you haven't, you don't have to have lived there, and you can make things up out of whole cloth but have some basis for what you're talking about. Right, right. I, I totally agree with that. I mean, like, it's all based on experience with me. You know, I mean, like, if I went to, which I did, I went to, say, like, uh, Washington, D.C. or Ohio. I've been there. Yeah, I could set a book there because I know exactly the way it is there, the way the people are there, and so on and so forth. But if you've never been there and then you want to say, well, you know, uh, you know, why'd you make that character the way he is? But if, if you know, if you know what the way the setting is, the way certain people act in, in certain areas of the country and the world, yeah, then you'd be like, well, yeah, I, I understand why you did that, you know. But again, it's all based on experience, you know, and I think the experience factor is very important in writing a book, especially even the plot of the book and the characters of the book too. You know, I mean, giving the characters their personalities, I mean, you have to match it with the setting, I would think. What do you think about that? 
Yeah, I mean, most people are the result of their environment um, in many ways. You know, uh, let's say, you know, for example, my folks, the original couple there in, in uh, Jack and Sarah in the Stuart Realty series, born and raised Ann Arbor, you know. Um, they have a, they, they go to, they vacation on the west coast of Michigan, you know, they go to Chicago on the weekend, you know, this is their world, you know. So, yeah, it was, and it's a big part of it. It's a big part of that series, the setting in Michigan. You know, they ended up, they do end up having a lake house on the West Coast, and a lot of the crucial scenes in good faith with the kids and stuff are set out there. You know, so I, it's, I, I believe that the Michigan setting of that series is a big part of that story. Yes. There you go. Yeah, and and I think that's a huge part of writing a fiction book, especially. You know, because you know you want to make sure that you have that setting, you have that plot, you have the characters you know, all in sync, you know, and, and so on and so forth. So moving on, let's talk about how you developed your characters. Now, when it comes down to it, are most of your characters like you, or did you just create their, uh, you know, their personalities as they came? Well, I write, a fic- I write fiction, so I consider it my job to make things up, including characters. Um, <laughs> okay. So no, not the only one, anything like me probably, <laughs> Jack, and that's only been pointed out to me by readers who have gotten to know me as a person, you know, mm-hmm. and then are huge fans of his, I guess. I'm like, yeah, I guess so. You know, he's the first sort of bigger-than-life character that I ever created, mm-hmm. um, even though I tried to keep him, you know, I tried to balance him. There's nothing terribly mysterious about him or there's nothing awful in his background that you have to worry about, you know, but he's out there, you know, he's just that guy. And mm-hmm. um, so he's probably the closest to the rest of the people I've, I've got 25 books out there, Joe, so I've made up a ton of people. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. And I'd say that, <clears throat> no, I mean, they're all, and I, I work really hard to make sure that I keep them as unique as possible. Here's a great example. A spinoff okay. series from Stuart Realty is a series called The Black Jack Gentleman. It is about a fictional pro soccer team in Detroit. I'm a huge fan of soccer. And I've always wanted to write some kind of sports fiction, right? So I set it up so that Jack, the main character in Stuart Realty, was approached to help raise funds and support for a potential expansion soccer team. Mm-hmm. So he did, and it got its own spinoff series. And each of those books, there are three of them, and I'm working on the fourth one now that will come out this summer. <clears throat> We're going to recover all of those books too, by the way, and release them in conjunction with the Women's World Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, each of those books is about a specific one of the players. And so that's cool because that allows me to just really go nuts with whatever I want about their background, where they came from, how they ended up in Detroit, you know, all these things. And um, that's been a real practice in coming up with a, a, a wholly new story but within a specific set of parameters, the team, you know, the mm-hmm. setting, the team. And, you know, they interact with each other a little bit, but there's never any question that each book is about one particular character. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. So going back to how you, I guess, imagine, uh, imagine or create your characters, I mean, each one of them obviously has to have um, a personality of its own. Mm-hmm. You know, so what do you do one by one, or do you figure out, you know, if it's a group of people like a, a soccer team, you figure out, you know, I guess from there what the personalities are going to be of these people. 
One by okay. one, and I sit down and I just start writing, and they appear. No mm-hmm. lie, I don't think mm-hmm. about them very hard. Um, if I if I know I've got a you know I, I wanted to make it a three a set of three books at first, which I did, so I came up with three of the players' stories right off the bat. Well, one of them's the coach, so it's two players and one of the coaches, um, and, and concocted each of their stories independently. One is a kid from Louisville who doesn't get who should have gone to the MLS but somehow got passed over because he wasn't putting everything he had into it because his parents wanted him to go to medical school. And then he gets picked up by, the, by Detroit, turns down medical school. He's like the youngest kid on the team because this team is put together from a bunch of kind of European has-beens and um, new kids that can't get into the MLS. So that's one. The coach is a, is a Turkish player, a Turkish man who played in the Spanish League, so he played at the very tip top of international soccer, Something horrible happens to him. He nearly loses his, well, he loses everything. And he comes back because he's convinced to come to America and coach this team. Mm -hmm. The other one was a goalie who was a kid in foster care, grew up in foster care. He doesn't have a lot of friends. He's super focused. And he ends up falling for one of the uh, gals in the legal department. (laughs) So, you know, each one has their Uh own story. And there's, I don't have a secret form. I can tell you, honestly, how I do that. Um, but that's just what I do, I guess. <laughs> that's that's great. That's that's awesome. You know, because you know, I mean, we already spoke about you know the character that you think is most like you. We already spoke about that. You know, but what makes that character more like you? What makes that one well, character really more? There's really only one. You know, there's really only one. And the only reason he is is because, well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know that he's like he's like my male alter ego. Um, he uh, is driven. He doesn't require much sleep. He runs on coffee, exercise, and probably too much beer and bourbon on the other end of it. Mm-hmm. And is successful at almost everything he does because he does, he never puts less than 100% into anything he does. Mm-hmm. So he's very outspoken. He's got a foul mouth. <laughs> <laughs> um, he loves his friends. He's very loyal to his friends and his family. You know, that's I guess that's me in a nutshell. Um, mm-hmm. And if I were allowed to be an outspoken male like he is, that would be me. <laughs> mm-hmm. so yeah, it, makes right... me a, it makes me a bitch. So, I, you know, I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, Liz, in writing your books, I mean, do you use, like, these descriptive words, like curses and stuff within your books to portray your character more, to give it more life? Use descriptive words, did you say? Oh, yeah, like that and curses and stuff like that. Do you throw the curses in there or no? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They got that. Here's the thing. That, um, when you're behind the scenes in a real estate office, the F-bomb is flying. Okay? Don't kid yourself. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just went to a, a meeting with some folks, and we had some clients in the room, and we were giving a presentation, and we were all very pretty, and we are talking, and yada, yada, and people were clearing out, and someone <laughs> turned to me and goes, F this and F that, and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, yeah. You know, we flip the switch back to the radio really hard, you know, because most of us, uh, most realtors, in order to succeed as a realtor, you really got to have a tough skin, and mm-hmm. you really got to have a way to blow off steam. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, my characters sort of talk fairly explicitly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, you have to be real, you know, with the characters. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to make it as That's- realistic as possible, you know what I'm saying? You know, so, yeah, I mean, to utilize those words and, and descriptive tones and, and so on and so forth, you know, I, I think it's very important in a book, you know, to get that essence of the, the, uh, the 
the characters. I, uh, you have yeah. to. You have yeah. to. Yeah. Well, I try to. I try to. And um, I've been told that I do that fairly successfully. Well, that's good. That's a good thing. <laughs> All right. Well, Liz, thank you so much for being on the show here. Uh, please let everybody know uh, where they can find your books uh, and where they can find you on the Internet. Oh, I'm all over the Internet. You can hardly be on the Internet without tripping over me. Um, I have a website, LizCrowCrowE.com. I'm on Amazon. I mean, I have an Amazon page with all my books, Liz Crow. Just put that in. Um, I'm on Facebook, Liz Crow. That's my real name, by the way, not a pen name. I'm on Twitter, which I love. I love Twitter. Um, my handle on Twitter is BeerWenchA2, as in Ann Arbor. So B-E-E-R-W-E-N-C-H-A-2. Um, I love interacting with you on Twitter. So if you hook up with me there, we will have some fun. Awesome. <clears throat> I'm on um, I'm on Wattpad. I've got a series, I mean a serialized novel that I'm posting on Wattpad right now, which is kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Liz Crow. Again, you can find me anywhere under that name, really. Um, and mm-hmm. I, my books are on um, the most of my books are on Barnes and Noble as well, if that's your preferred format. Most of my books are on Smashwords and iBooks as well. Um, but I sell most of them through Amazon, so that's kind of where I focus my effort. Awesome. Awesome. And it's great to know you, Liz, and thank you so much for being on the show today, and we'll love to have you back one time. Love to be back, Joe. Thanks again for the opportunity. Okay, no problem, and you have a great day. Take care now. You too. Stay warm. Okay. This Bye. Is, uh, bye. And this is Joe Yagle signing off for another great show here, The Author's Book. Really exciting stuff as we move forward right here on the Authors Book Channel. Thank you so much for being here, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, next week, we have Kristen Hughes. She's going to be here 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the 24th. And on the 26th, Rashonda Simone. I love that name. Rashonda Simone. Right here. 10 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Join us right here on TalkShoe, our WIRN Authors Nook channel, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.